0: It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. This episode is part two, and hopefully the final part (laughs) of my most recent cross-country trip from Los Angeles up to Vancouver, where I'm going to talk about in this episode, and across to visit my family on the East Coast in New York and Massachusetts, along with lots of friendly people, friends and family. And that's where I am right now. I'm recording this from a little room at my parents' house uh, outside of my bedroom, my childhood bedroom. And there'll be another episode once I finish this part of the trip, too. I love talking about this. Some of my friends have been encouraging me to do more travel content, mostly on social media like TikTok and What I use to make these episodes is my photo album. I go through all the pictures and videos just to remember things that I can share here on these episodes. And I will include photos in the show notes for this episode, which are at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com in the show notes section within the transcript. There'll be some photos, there'll be links. If I mention products or food or any other resources that could be helpful for you if you're planning a similar trip or the same trip, or you're just curious. And I felt like I was going to say something else, but I blanked on it. But there will be other parts because I feel like I've just been doing so much traveling. And if you are interested in part one of this, where I talked about driving from Los Angeles up to Mount Hood in Oregon. Is that Oregon? I think that was Oregon. The Some of these states really, like the lines blur a lot for me. <laughs> But yeah, Mount Hood is right outside of Portland. And that's where I left off in the previous episode. And I've also done numerous episodes about other road trips. So if you listen to this one and you want to hear about the one that I did earlier in 2022, going to Colorado, Utah, and Arizona, I will link to that in the show notes. If you want to hear about other cross-country trips that I've done, just to see the evolution of the experience, all of those will be linked for you. So let's pick up. At Mount Hood. It was so beautiful. I felt like going there was the beginning of seeing so many incredible things, and specifically mountains. And I kept reflecting on this trip how, like, what part of nature was drawing me in? Every time I'm traveling, I kind of think, like, if I were to move away from Los Angeles, where would I live? And I actually don't have an answer to that. I really enjoy living in Los Angeles for the most part. I've been there since 2000 four, I think, is when I moved from Massachusetts, where I am now. And when I see mountains like Mount Hood, I just feel in complete awe. And I think I mentioned in the previous part of this road trip, I read this great audio book on this trip called The Nature Fix. And in the book, the author talks about the power of awe. It was really incredible to listen to a book like that while I was doing a trip that was so focused on nature. Because a huge part of this experience. The reason I went to the places that I did was to experience nature. Initially, when I I did my 2020 road trip that kind of sparked this annual adventure for me, it was mostly to get across the country. I went with my friend Leanne and we plotted out the trip and then we started like adding a few stops along the way. It was kind of organic. And as we looked at the areas we were going through were like, oh, how about we go there? How about we go see this person? But it was very light and just didn't take a lot of time. We planned that trip in like a week, week and a half, maybe at the most. Whereas this trip I'm documenting now has been in the works for a, quite a while. I actually didn't put as much time into it as I would have liked to because I ended up going to Costa Rica and Singapore, as I talked about in a previous episode, And those trips took up so much of my time and my mental energy. And I remember getting back from Singapore and feeling really rushed to plan this trip and a lot of pressure. What was also interesting is up until a certain point, I didn't have anything else planned. So I'll I'll share a little bit about what that means. Like I I had a vague idea of what I was going to do. I knew I was going to see specific family and friends. But I didn't know where I was going to spend the night some nights, and that was a really interesting element. So I'm kind of giving you a preview of what's to come. So let's dive into it. Before I get into the rest of this episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge my brand partner, Athletic Greens, which has a product called AG1. I started taking this right before I did some international traveling because I wanted to take extra good care of my gut health and immune system, and it was awesome. I have trouble remembering to take a bunch of supplements and especially when I'm going somewhere, I don't want to like bring all these (laughs) capsules with me. So I really appreciated having this all in one powder and they actually have it in individual packet sizes. It was perfect. I drank it every morning at the hotel. When I was traveling on the airplane, I had it. If I was on the way somewhere, like in a car, I took it with me and it was just super easy to put into my water. And it just gave me peace of mind knowing that it was supporting my digestion, my sleep quality, mental clarity, my recovery from all the travel and the exercise that I was doing. It tastes really good too. It only has one gram of sugar and yet tastes like a delicious tropical juice at a much cheaper price. It's less than $3 a day. And that's exciting because there's a little perk for you. Athletic Greens is going to give you five free travel pack sizes plus a free year one supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, which I take as well. I'll tell you about another time. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. And you can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance just like me. If you are have any any trouble, the link is in the description of the episode. It's also in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. Check it out and let me know what you think. I woke up really early out at Mount Hood after spending the night in a really sweet campground that I talked about in part one. And I think I actually talked about this part too, where I went over to this lake and saw Mount Hood and it was just beautiful the photos I have from there just still bring me so much joy. And I actually, it's interesting when it comes to photos and videos, is that I've started taking them more for me and less for social media, which is interesting because I feel like so many people, when they go on trips, they take them for social media. You know, even if it's a casual thing, even if you're just sharing it with a small group of people and you're not an influencer or a content creator, it still feels like a lot of vacations are dominated by. Taking photos and videos for someone else to see and for you to kind of tell that story. And of course, you could say the same thing about a podcast like this, but it's been interesting over the years watching how I've lost a lot of interest in that. I still have this desire to take photos for social, but I don't like spending a lot of time on them. I don't want to go places just to get a photo. That just doesn't feel right to me. I'm going there because I want to experience them. I am going there. Many of these places have been influenced by what I've seen on social, especially on TikTok. Like A huge part of my trips have been inspired by spots I've seen other people go to on TikTok. And that inspires me to post about my experiences. And, and part of the reason that I'm making this episode, it's like, maybe I'll inspire you to go to some of these places and and you'll be interested in them because of the details that I'm sharing. But when I look at these pictures I took at Mount Hood, I just remember feeling like, The amount of time and effort it would have taken me to get, quote, the right shot, an Instagram-worthy shot, if that term even still exists, or the right footage that I could compile for a TikTok video, it just was a lot. And I remember, let's see what time it was. I think it was, I don't know if my photos are in the right time zone or not, because now I'm on the East Coast. But I think it was about 7.30 in the morning, which is fairly early for me. I don't like waking up early, but I do on these trips. And there I am feeling tired, having this whole day ahead of me that I'm trying to build my energy for. Like The last thing I want to do is do a whole photo shoot and take like perfect footage. But I did actually get some cool photos. And like I mentioned, I'll put them in the show notes. Then I stopped at Dutch Brothers Coffee, which was interesting because it's another thing that I was influenced to do from social media. I heard about Dutch Brothers probably through TikTok a while ago. And I've only been there once because I don't think that there's one in Los Angeles yet there are a bunch all across the northern parts of the West Coast. As I discovered on this trip, they're everywhere. And I kept seeing like the ads. They had this cookie dough latte and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And this morning after Mount Hood was the first time I had a little bit of time to go through the drive-through because all of my other days were so packed together and or I would pass by a Dutch Brothers and it would be like five o'clock at night. And I'm thinking I'm not getting coffee this late. So I finally got to go to a Dutch Brothers and it was a bit anticlimactic because I pulled up to the window. I asked how they could make it dairy free and vegan and they had to take out a lot of the good parts. I think they use like some sort of really cool cream foam topping for it that sounded really good but they replaced the milk with oat milk and they use like some cookie dough flavored syrup and it just wasn't that good. So not sure I would recommend it, but it really depends on your coffee preferences. I mentioned in part one, how I had amazing coffee at this place called sisters coffee. I think it's sisters coffee company in sisters, Oregon. And I loved it. I bought a bag of their beans. I'm still drinking it now in Massachusetts with my dad. He loves it too. Like I get really into more gourmet style coffee, but I still enjoy trying out the drive-through stuff every once in a while. So I liked the experience, just not the flavor. It was a little disappointing, but I got some footage and I sent it to my sister. (laughs) Then I went to Mount Rainier and Mount Rainier was the first time that I hit traffic and it was about 12 o'clock. And I think I waited in line to get into the national park for at least 30 minutes. It might've been 45 to an hour. Now, one thing I've learned, especially during summertime, is that the earlier you can get to a national park, the better, especially if it's a popular one, but it just didn't work out that way. Timing wise, I plan my trips based on how I can get to as many national parks as possible. And sometimes the timing just doesn't make sense for me to stay close to the next one. And sometimes I'm going to multiple in a row on the same day. And so I still felt a bit surprised (laughs) to have to wait in line. And that cut back on the time that I had there, sadly. But I did really appreciate Mount Rainier. It's beautiful. You drive just through all these wonderful areas, and there are flowers blooming, Uh, at least in August, there were. And I just looked at a map and kind of like looked out the window at stuff. I didn't get to stop as much as I would have liked to because my time got cut short. I did go to an area that is pretty popular. Let's see what it is. I think it's the Jackson Visitor Center. Oh, yeah. in paradise. So there's a big sign that says like, welcome to paradise. And people stop to take pictures at that was really pretty. I mean, it's just a beautiful looking mountain and you can get closer to it, or at least I got closer to it than I did for Mount Hood. They kind of reminded me of each other. They're both beautiful mountains with you know white snow colored areas of them contrasted with the warm air and all the greenery from the plants around. And they're just nice to look at. I love seeing like, I don't know if they're pine trees or what they are, but just that the contrast with the blue sky and the rose. And I'll try to put some of those pictures in the show notes. I just have to narrow down which. Oh yeah. And up there at the area I parked at, you could do these little small loops to walk around and they had all these beautiful colored flowers that were purple and red. And I got some good photos there actually, now that I look back on it. But I also wasn't allowed to bring Evie. And I've talked about this in part one. It's a bit of a bummer. I use my Tesla's dog mode It's just really hard to leave her in the car on a hot summer day. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And another thing that I found really interesting, once I left probably the central part of California, Northern California and beyond through Oregon and Washington, and even in Canada, there were so many Bigfoot themed places like gift shops and coffee shops and just like. Bigfoot signs everywhere. I was fascinated by that. And I'm kind of curious if you ever want to reach out to me and comment on an episode, I would love to know what you think about Bigfoot. I don't really have much thought. I don't really believe in it, but I'm very curious about people that are into Bigfoot. And I find it a little hard to believe that people actually believe in Bigfoot. I'm not trying to be rude about that, but it just like, doesn't, Make sense in my head, so <laughs> it draws me in. I'm like, I want to know, like how did they develop these belief systems? Why are people so obsessed with Bigfoot? Why is there bigfoot stuff everywhere in certain parts of the country? Basically, near any mountain that I've been to, any really like wilderness feeling area with lots of dense trees, like you'll find a ton of bigfoot stuff <laughs> from there. I went to an area outside of Seattle, Washington, to meet up with a family member of mine that I haven't seen in probably 20 years, maybe more. She is my sister's cousin. And I haven't been up to Seattle in a very long time either. I think I've only been to Seattle twice. And the last time I think was in 2010. I don't even know if this family member lived there at that point. But anyways, I made a plan with her, went out to dinner with her, was absolutely wonderful. We went to this great Indian restaurant and just thinking about that food makes me salivate because it was really wonderful. And then from there, instead of staying with her, I decided to drive a little bit farther away, about 45 minutes north of her area to get closer to the next national park I was going to the next day, which was North Cascades. But I do want to point out that that Campground was, well, actually, not technically a campground. It was through this website called Hip Camp, which is basically like Airbnb for camping, in which anybody who has property worthy of camping on with a tent or an RV or whatever equipment, they can list it and people, you can just go stay at people's homes. So I really vetted out carefully. Sometimes it can be more expensive than a campground, sometimes it doesn't feel super safe but this place ended up being absolutely amazing. The woman there had a little, like I think, pygmy goats. She had chickens. She had, what else? Really cute dogs. I feel like I've already told this story. Hopefully, I'm not repeating too much. I suddenly got paranoid that I've already told this in part one, but here we are. I'll just continue anyways. <laughs> if there's some overlap. I apologize. But that hip camp, Was really awesome. I felt super safe there. I was the only one there and I was parked down like towards the base. She lived kind of on a hillside and I was towards the bottom of the hill and it just like felt safe and she felt like a safe person. She was super nice. We talked for a while. It was about $35 to stay there and then I think tax was added on, but I did get a discount code for HIP Camp through REI and I have just developed a bigger passion for REI since I started doing these trips because they have all sorts of cool deals for members and it's not that expensive to become an REI member. So I've bought various things from them and got, you know, you get money back because it's a co-op. So at the end of the year, they give like 10% of all your purchases. You get back as uh, you know a check form, you get discounts on things like hip camp. They have exclusive offers. I really have developed appreciation from them. I don't shop exclusively with them because sometimes other websites have better prices, but that was a cool perk being able to get that. Then the next morning I got up and drove to North Cascades, which was probably the least eventful place that I went to, mostly because I was short on time and I was influenced by a friend who told me it wasn't that great of a park. (laughs) So I went in there like not expecting much. And what I tend to do when I visit a natural park is I pull up the, I think it's NPS, National Park Service app. And on there, they will list out all sorts of things that you can do, all the highlights from the park, where to go. You can get maps there. Sometimes they even have guided audio tours that you can download. And because most of these parks don't have great internet service, you can download The information from their app to your phone and still access it without service, which I think is really cool. I also always get a map from the entrance to the park, but North Cascades is one of those parks that I don't think I had to pass through an entrance booth at all, which is interesting. I don't know how many parks out of the 63 plus parks there are do this, but some you're just kind of like on your own. So the app or the website's really helpful and that's how I found out about Diablo Lake, which was really pretty. My favorite part of that, I probably could have just gone there and back. I think that's what it was called. Suddenly, I'm second guessing myself because at least one place I went to was called Diablo Lake, but I think it was that one. And it was just one of those beautiful blue lakes beneath mountains and. I think I also became a little jaded from mountains after going to Mount Hood and Mount Rainier and, you know, seeing all these other national parks on my way, like this just felt like another drive. And to be honest, a lot of the places I drove through on this trip all started to kind of mesh together. Even if I wasn't in a park, I was just passing through beautiful areas. So sometimes you would enter into a park, but it would still feel like the area outside of the park. It's kind of fascinating. There's also so many national forests that border the national parks and those are wonderful too. So it's just fascinating the more you drive around and and kind of take it all in and see how all of these areas have been marked. Then the next day, wait, sorry, same day. I got up super early, I think before 6 a.m. to start this day. I rushed to North Cascades and the reason that I didn't have a ton of time because then I had to drive back down towards Seattle to get on a ferry and go across to the other part of Washington, the peninsula. And I've never been over there before. I haven't taken a ferry in a really long time. Fortunately, my family member that I had dinner with the night before explained how it worked. (laughs) She recommended I get there at least an hour before the ferry departed. But she warned me that because I was going on a Friday, that there would probably be a lot of traffic. So I tried to get to the ferry as quickly as possible. And I think I arrived about 1230. This is called the Edmonds-Kingston Ferry. I get there and I'm in a line of standstill traffic. I thought I would make it onto... I think I was trying to catch like the 130 ferry. no. I was sitting in that standstill traffic until I think, I'm losing track here, but it was probably about two o'clock. And I knew the next ferry was supposed to leave around 3.15. So fingers crossed I would get on it. Had no idea. It was an interesting experience having to just let go and sit in that unknown. And I finally, the traffic started moving and I got to the booth you pay. It's about $20 if you drive on with your car like I did. And the woman told me I would get on the 315. The other thing tip is, if you decide to do this, is you can go onto the Washington Ferry website and sign up for text alerts and they'll keep you posted about what's going on with all the ferries. You can also use the website to see where the ferries are and their ETAs about departure, find out if they're running late, see how long the approximate wait is. That was super helpful. But there was still a lot of unknowns. The cool thing was, once I paid and got through the booth and was officially on the next ferry, like meaning I had my place on the next ferry, you go into another section and essentially park your car in a lane that waits for the ferry. And then you just wait there. And I waited for at least an hour. And it was actually kind of cool. Because there was a bathroom and there were like little shops that you could go to, and people got out of their cars and walked their dogs. And I actually charged (laughs) my solar powered power bank. I got it from a well known company called Jackery, and I will link to them. I'll put my affiliate link if you're interested in buying them. And a little hint about Jackery is that I saved up my money for it for months. I heard about them. Probably in 2021. And Mm. when I looked up the price, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive, but I really wanted one. So I started saving my money and I waited until they went on sale. I got the Jackery 300 and that cost, I think, normally $299. And then I really wanted to get the solar power connector so that I could use it even if I didn't have access to a plug to recharge it. So you basically have this mini solar panel and you connect that to the Jackery power bank and the solar power and it becomes solar powered essentially. So, or exactly. I don't even know why I'm saying essentially that's what it does. And both of the units were, I think two ninety nine each so $600 total. There are competitors. You can look into them as well. I'm not exclusive or sponsored by Jackery, but I just wanted it. I think it's because it's like the name brand and I felt like I could trust it. They've apparently a really good warranty. And I just felt like the money I would save buying a different brand didn't quite feel worth it to me. But the good news is I waited and bought it on Amazon Prime day and I saved so much money. I think I got both units for $420. So instead of 600, I got it Savings of almost two hundred dollars, and if you're listening to this episode, I bet you they'll go on sale again during Black Friday, and you could wait to any big sale. I would actually recommend signing up for their newsletter because they have sales throughout the year, but I think Amazon Prime Day and Black Friday might be their two biggest sales. Anyway, so the cool thing was is I took out my solar panel while I was waiting online for the ferry and put it on top of my car and was able to charge the Jackery. And I felt like the coolest official camper. I was just like, wow, I'm driving this electric car and got my solar panels out. Like I felt like a very (laughs) fancy, eco-friendly person. I don't know. But the other cool thing about waiting in line for the ferry is I actually got amazing coffee from another place I wanted to try. It was not a chain. But once I got to, I think it was Washington or Oregon, I started seeing all these little coffee booths, like booths, not quite the right word. Shacks is a better word. I think they might refer to them as chalets, but I could be wrong. They're just these tiny little, what's even the word for them? They're just tiny little coffee shops and they'll have them in parking lots on the side of the road. Most of them are drive throughs And I, similar to Dutch Brothers, really wanted to go try one. And I saw one on the side of the road right by the ferry waiting or in the ferry waiting area. So I walked over there and had low expectations after my Dutch Brothers experience. I'm like, okay, I'm going here just to experience this. It might not be great coffee. I walk up and the woman was so nice that ran this place. She also had, I think, she said at least 50 different types of coffee syrup behind her. And there was no menu. You just like looked at the syrup bottles and decided if you wanted some. I'm a sucker for things like that. I love trying different flavors. <laughs> but I felt so overwhelmed. I actually called my sister. I'm like, if you were here, what would you get? And she was like, see if she can make a s'mores drink. So she, the woman didn't have anything graham cracker flavored, but she had toasted marshmallow syrup and a chocolate, like a mocha flavor. And I had my own milk. My favorite milk right now is called Sproud. It is a combination of pea protein with a little bit of oats mixed in. And it's super low carb, even though like I like things like the syrups, I still try to buy as much low carb products as possible because it works better for my body. And I have my refrigerator in my car too, which I'll link to. I don't think I've mentioned it in the the series yet. I have this awesome little 12 volt powered refrigerator that I keep in the front seat of my car now. And it's a game changer because I can bring my own milk And whatever else I want to store, like I bring vegan cheeses and fresh produce and things like that, like all sorts of snacks, dips, and I keep it in that little mini fridge and it's awesome. And that one actually is cool. It was under $200 when I bought it and I've had it for, I think, like just over a year now and it works great. Anyways, I asked the lady, I said, well, I already have my own milk. Could you just do an espresso shot and mix some of the flavors in? She's like, absolutely. She made me the most delicious, strong espresso shot. I took it back to my car. I think she even put it in my reusable mug, which was awesome. So it was already in my the coffee cup I use on these trips. And I just added in my milk. Actually, did she add ice for me? I think she even put it on ice now that I think about it. So I, when I added in my milk, it was this incredible latte and it cost me like $2 and change to get that espresso from her. And I always travel with some sort of coffee. I think I might've mentioned in my previous video, but I don't think I shared the equipment exactly. I love to make cold brew coffee and I'll put the cold brew maker mm-hmm. in the show notes for this episode at welllevator.com, along with everything else, the Jackery, the refrigerator, etc. It's an awesome plastic leak proof cold brew coffee maker. And it's been the easiest way for me to make my own coffee throughout my trip. I also have like a little French press thing that I never use, but I always bring it with me just in case I want hot coffee. And I will also bring instant coffee with me for the worst case scenario because I don't really like it. (laughs) I haven't used that in a while. Anyways, I'm really into coffee if you can't tell. And she just made this amazing espresso and I hadn't had an espresso. And so long, and I just felt so grateful. So then I finally got on the ferry. The ferry is really cool. You drive your car on, and you're kind of all jammed together. And then people can leave their car and walk up to the next level and sit inside or outside. I sat outside with Evie. She loved it. I got the cutest photos of her on the ferry and just the breeze hitting her ears and she's smelling the fresh air. And I felt so happy. I just felt like this deep gratitude. I went to another level in my emotions on that ferry. I think it was also the relief because getting to the ferry felt very stressful and waiting, not knowing what time I was going to get there. And it was a pretty short ferry, maybe like 30 minutes. Get to the other side. There's a sweet little town built around this ferry area over in the peninsula. And I started driving into... Olympic National Park. Now you're going to have to wait for next week's episode to find out something that went wrong. The worst thing that happened on my entire trip, I detailed in next week's episode. And I don't mean to leave you hanging, but it's a long story. And I, <laughs> I have so much more to share. I'm already feeling like this might turn into a three-parter. And I just guess there's so many details to tell about these trips. But if you'd like to hear that story, stay tuned for next week. So I go into Olympic National Park. It's wonderful. I stayed at another hip camp there and I can link to these two if you'd like, because both of the places I highly recommend, they were run by great people. They had everything they promised. They were beautiful. They were safe, comfortable for me with my setup. I took some wonderful walks in Olympic National Park and went into the rainforest the next day. I went to the ocean and saw this beautiful beach over there. I loved Olympic National Park. It felt so lovely and almost cinematic, which is interesting because one part I went through is called Forks, Washington, and that's where the movie Twilight took place. I think they filmed in that town. Maybe even the book is based in that area. I don't know much about Twilight, but it felt like out of a movie. It was cloudy. It rained for part of the day. So when I went into the rainforest, it was raining. That was really cool. The rainforest also had a wait. It's called the Ho Rainforest. And you had to wait in a car line. I think I only had to wait like 20 or 30 minutes. But when I left the rainforest, there was like a two-hour wait to get in there. So the timing really makes a difference. And I highly recommend that you plan as much as you can if you have the luxury. Again, for me, I didn't always have the ability to switch up my schedule to accommodate this stuff, but it was really worth it. I would love to go back because the whole rainforest, according to something in the Nature Fix book, has one of the quietest areas. I'm going to look this up. And I also feel like I already talked about this, but let's see. Yeah, I think it's no. Oh, yes, yeah, the quietest square inch in the United States. <laughs> it's really interesting. I think like like some organization claimed it as that. I really wanted to go there, but it took about I think 3 miles to hike in there and I just didn't have a chance. So yes, if I'm going to link to let's see here. There's a bunch of different articles but I'm just going to link to one of them on this website, Atlas Obscura, that seems to have some good details about it. Um, Apparently like a pebble marks this area. So it didn't seem that day a big priority for me to go see that square inch, but I really thought it would have been cool just to experience like, what is that level of quiet sounds like, you know? And I think that's a a cool element of it, but it was beautiful. They have all these moss trees the trail that I went on was actually kind of loud. Ironically, there was a lot of families there, a lot of screaming kids, a lot of people talking. So it didn't quite give me the solitude I wanted. The beach was absolutely stunning. Uh, I forget what the name of that beach was. Rialto, I want to say. There are a bunch of different beaches that you can visit. Olympic National Park is huge. And also a lot of areas you don't have to show your pass. I did have to go show it on the last section I went to, I, I forget what it was called, but you can drive up above the park and overlook the water. And I had to show my pass to get up there, but that actually wasn't really worth it. That was right outside of Port Angeles where I took my next ferry. And I don't know, I didn't feel it, that impressed, but it was like checking it off the list. <laughs> I also got coffee from a little booth drive through and that was super disappointing but I started to get so tired and I don't know. I think it was cold since it was raining and I just wanted some warm coffee and not more cold brew, but yeah, the little coffee booth or shack, whatever, eh, wasn't that great. That's the downside of being a coffee snob is feeling disappointed. (laughs) When I got to the ferry, I took a ferry to Vancouver Island to visit friends there. And I ended up meeting this other couple I don't know why I'm saying other couple because I just traveled with Evie, but (laughs) I met a couple that just happened to be right in front of me in the line for the ferry and they were driving a Tesla too. So we talked for a bit. They were super nice. They were staying at hotels. They were not camping. And similarly, you park your car there and wait until your ferry boards so you can walk around the area of Port Angeles. They had a few restaurants with vegan food, but none of them sounded that good. So I just made myself some instant soup. <laughs> I always bring along instant soup with me just to have because it's cheap and lasts a long time. And I'll boil water in my little mini fuel stove set up. I can link to that too, actually. It's not a name brand, but it is an inexpensive way to travel around and always have access to hot water. Went on another ferry. That was nice brought me into Victoria. And that was absolutely beautiful. I was blown away. It truly feels like another country entering there from the United States. I did have to go through customs. I think it took me like 20 or 30 minutes that day, but I guess it can take a while. You show your passport, you tell the officer a little bit about what you're doing there and for how long and you're on your way. I didn't, have, didn't even have to get out of my car for that. And drove to my friend's place, which was absolutely wonderful. My friend and his wife are incredible people. I will not share their names. I guess I probably could, but let me ask them first if I'm going to. I will say that this friend was a guest of the podcast. I think I teased this person in a previous episode, but I haven't asked for permission. And this person's actually very private so I'll wait. You don't really need to know them, but if you ever want to guess, you're welcome to message me and I can tell you privately. I had a wonderful time with them. They have this great home on on the island and I actually camped out in my tent. That's the only time I've used it. I will link to the tent too, because it's really cool. It's an SUV tent that is really inexpensive and I attach it. I think I mentioned in part one that I set it up and attach it to the back of my car for extra storage or safety, but I rarely ever sleep in it. In fact, I think this might've been the first time I've slept in it before. And my friend's wife really wanted to sleep in her tent in their backyard and encouraged me to do the same instead of sleeping in my car. I think you know there was a long story about why I didn't stay in the house, but decided to set up my tent and brought all my stuff from my car in. It got super comfortable. I actually used the Tessmat mattress, which is a special memory foam mattress designed for Teslas. And I put, just put that in the car and that was super comfortable. I brought in my weighted blanket, and my memory foam pillow, and like definitely on the glamping side. I also got to use my Jackery in a cool way because I set that up so I could charge my phone overnight in the tent. I had my noise machine on, even though it's nice to hear natural sounds, just nature. Because of my sleep challenges, having the white noise just helps my brain while I'm sleeping or fall asleep. And then the whole night, I actually kept thinking that a wild animal was going to break into my tent because I guess on Vancouver Island, they have bears and cougars and I don't know, on and on, they kept telling me about all these wild animals they see. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not going to help me sleep. So I was a little paranoid, but it was super fun. I'm actually trying to convince my sister to sleep in the tent with me at my parents' house one night. And Evie seemed to like it too. I think that was her first and only camping or tent experience. And she was great in there. And I'll put some pictures of that too. Next morning, we all had breakfast together. I got to shower. Oh my gosh. Showering on trips like this is such a luxury and a big recommendation. If you're going to car camp or do any type of camping, it's like try to find campgrounds, friends and family, like wherever you can get a clean shower. I bring a little portable camping shower with me, but it's such a pain to set up and you have to like think a lot ahead and It has to sit out in the sun for a while to get warm. I guess you could pour hot water in there if you wanted, but it's probably best for backpacking. I've only tried to use it one time on my trips and it was a pain in the butt. So it's there for like a worst case scenario. And also I'm always trying to conserve water. So I have most of it for drinking water and it's just water, feels like a precious resource. So being able to shower especially in someone's home, is amazing. So I showered and then headed on to another ferry, the third and final ferry of this trip. I took from Vancouver Island to Vancouver City in Canada, where I've never been before. And that was just awesome. I'm going to take a moment to show appreciation for the sponsor of the show, Zencaster. They not only make this episode possible, but they make it so easy for me to record with guests. Behind the scenes, I log in to their super easy platform at zencaster.com. I create the episode link and send it over to the special guest. They get that link, they show up, we can see each other through video and start recording so easily. And then when we're done, I can download the video and put it up to a platform like YouTube. I can share it on social media. I can even do some editing of it, like taking out filler words, ums and ahs, for example. It has this active speaker detection through AI that automatically detects who's speaking at a time and switches back and forth. And that's been a game changer for me because I've been really behind in uploading YouTube videos for each episode of the show, and now I'm able to catch up through Zencaster's amazing technology. So whether you're just curious about how I do things or you want to use a platform like Zencaster for your own podcasting needs, I had to tell you about it. If you fall into the latter category, go to Zencastr.com slash pricing and use my code, code WellEvatorZen. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. And I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. I really believe it's time to share your story too, which is why I'm mentioning them. So again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing. That's linked in the show notes of this episode and in the description, along with that code WellEvatorZen, so you can start using it right away. Now back to the episode. I went to this farmer's market. My friend recommended a separate friend of mine who lived in Vancouver City for a bit. It's called the Kitsilano. That's the best I can do with the pronunciation. Unbelievable. I got plant-based, gluten-free dumplings from this place called House of Yee. Amazing. I got a gluten-free, vegan, sugar-free, muffin from a little booth called Marie's guilt-free bakery. That was lovely. I had it for breakfast the next day. I walked around just taking in the farmer's market. It was really pleasant. They even had vegan pierogies there. I have a lot of Ukrainian family members. So pierogies have always been like a big food love in my family. I think they also made gluten-free pierogies there. I don't know if they were vegan and gluten-free, but they were out of them. Nonetheless, I didn't get to try them. And I got some beautiful pottery. I got a mug that's just stunning. Forget what that company was called, but it was like a family-owned pottery company. It was just like this beautiful August day there. I loved that farmers market. My friend also recommended that I go to Parallel Coffee Roasters because she knows how much I love coffee. I got a fantastic oat milk latte there. They also had incredible vegan baked goods, but they were out of the vegan and gluten-free options. They had vegan and gluten-free donuts, but I didn't get there until like two o'clock and they were sold out. I was really bummed. Oh, it's called 49th Parallel. I think I said the wrong name earlier, but just looking at the pictures of that coffee reminds me of how great that coffee shop was right across from a Whole Foods. And I went in there too. This Whole Foods had incredible things. I mean, they had a vegan creme brulee in like in the refrigerated section like that you can just eat right out of the container. I had it. It wasn't the best creme brulee I've had, but I just appreciated it. <laughs> I got all sorts of little snacks. They even had these incredible vegan keto what were they like buns? Like it was a bread, but it was round. So. <laughs> I don't think a button is the right word. It'll come up. It's in my photos somewhere. And I'll share the name of it because that was one of the best things I bought my whole trip. And then what was cool is I didn't have a ton of time in Vancouver City or I didn't make a lot of time based on the rest of my schedule. So sadly, that was about all I did in the city. I wanted to go into the city park, Stanley Park, I think it's called. But <laughs> Long story short, it became a bit of a debacle. I was there on a Saturday. So this Saturday, no, it was a Sunday at this point, And there was just like traffic and people everywhere. It became stressful. I took the wrong road. And I kept looking at my schedule thinking I'm running out of time to get to my next destination. And I actually didn't even know exactly where that was going to be. So I skipped Stanley Park. That was kind of a bummer. But part of me was like, why am I going into a park in a city when I've been in all these incredible national parks and I was on my way to another one. So I skipped it, but I would like to go back. Anyways, I started driving away from Vancouver and within like 30 minutes to an hour, you can see more mountains in the distance, like on the highway, you're just driving towards stunning snow-covered mountains. My friends in Vancouver Island told me it was going to be like that. They're like, you're in for a great drive. And so yeah, the whole drive that day was just absolutely beautiful. And I ended up spending the night in an area called Salmon Arm. There was a really cool campground there. I tried to go to a hip camp, but it was a little too last minute for me to coordinate it. And I ended up going to this campground resort that was Awesome. It was one of my favorite places that I stayed the whole trip because it was so family friendly. Everyone was nice. It was safe. I got this great little spot to set up my tent. And I think it felt extra special because I decided to pull out that little camping stove I mentioned earlier and make those dumplings I bought from House of Yee. They were actually frozen dumplings, but I put them in my refrigerator and that way they thawed out a little and by i think it was like 9:30 at night when i finally got all settled i set up my tent went inside i have a little like portable table and chair and then got out my camping stove and t- experimented cooking the dumplings in there they didn't turn out perfectly like if you cooked them on the stove properly they would have been amazing but they ended up being like the perfect camping dinner for my desires that night. And I made it work on that little stove and it was just so fun. I set up my iPad and I downloaded an episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I put my headphones on so I wouldn't disturb any of my neighbors outside the tent. And I just sat in there eating my dumplings, watching my show. And I just felt like so happy and it felt like this really cool camping experience versus a lot of the other nights on my trip, I actually didn't eat dinner. (laughs) I would just like snack the whole car ride. I would get to my camping destination. I'd be so exhausted that I'd maybe watch like 20 minutes of Maisel or whatever other show I was watching and I'd just fall asleep. And this is like one of very few nights that I spent the time to like make a proper meal, set up my tent, enjoy it. I just loved it. And then like They also had showers and a nice bathroom there. I don't think I used it, but I'm always appreciative of nice bathrooms because at least I can brush my teeth and wash my face versus trying to do that more like off the side of my car. That's no fun. And there was also a cute cat there. This resort had like a mini golf course and a pickleball court, and like it was fully set up for lots of family fun. Then I started driving to Banff national park, which I had so much anticipation for. And sadly, I think that that got in the way of <laughs> me like really appreciating it. It was very pretty. I mean, as I mentioned, just shortly after I left Vancouver, I could see incredible mountains the entire drive to Banff. And so you're just seeing this beautiful landscape, beautiful water, like all along the highway getting closer to Banff. There were streams and they were practically clear, but also had like this pretty green or blue tint in them, like just lovely to look at. And it certainly felt nice, but it just wasn't as powerful as I thought it was going to be. Sadly, I did feel incredibly grateful to take the advice of my friends to go to Lake Louise, but that was quite an undertaking. I think it was a Monday by the time I got there. And it was still so packed, so much so that when you drive up to Lake Louise, there are only a few places you can park at the top. You have to pay for parking in these parking lots. And they have so many employees there that if the park, if they don't have like a ton of spots open, they won't even let you stop and wait for a spot. You have to leave. Like they force you to leave the area. And it's like, up this hill. So <laughs> you have to drive all the way back down the hill, and you could go back down there and take a shuttle up, but it's a few miles at least. You could I saw people walking up there, and I was thinking, wow, like that would take forever, <laughs> like two miles. I mean, that's my guess. Like it would probably take 30 to minutes to an hour to walk up there, and it was hot. But my friend gave me a tip, which is that if you go up to Lake Louise and they don't have any parking. You can circle around. You have to kind of start going back down the hill again, but turn around and go back towards the parking. And the second time you might end up getting a spot. So that's what happened for me. I didn't give up. It cost about $9 to park there. I think it was like 12 Canadian. And then you take a short walk from the parking lot and you're at this incredible lake. I mean, it was definitely one of the most beautiful things I saw my whole trip. It is incredibly photogenic. There are people paddleboarding. There are people canoeing. There's all these people walking around trails. There's an incredible hotel there. It was beautiful. I spent probably an hour and a half there and just walking around. It was very dog friendly. So you, you can come with me. And it was lovely. That was one of the most beautiful things I saw my whole trip. And it is part of Banff National Park. But the rest of the park, I don't know. They're Were areas for hiking, which I did not do. So I imagine if you were hiking in Banff, it's incredible. But just driving through it, it felt, I guess, like I said, I got a little bit jaded from the other parks I went to and all this driving. So it didn't move me as much as I had hoped it would. However, right outside of Banff, on the other side at least, is this incredible mountainside town called Canmore that I also heard about from my friends in Vancouver. And wow, <laughs> if I were to do it again, I would have planned at least a few hours in Canmore. I would have planned to stay overnight there. In fact, I'm already considering a trip to go stay in Canmore for a few days because it's just this like really stunning town with tons of restaurants and coffee shops my friend told me about a place called Eclipse Coffee Roaster. That might have been the best coffee I had my whole trip. Sisters, 49th Parallel, and Eclipse were fantastic. But there was something about Eclipse that stood out from the rest. It was just like rich, perfectly brewed. It was a great atmosphere. And you're just walking around this little town with almost a 360 view of mountains around you. And just to contrast all these little shops, it was a little on the touristy side. It reminded me of Boulder, Colorado. Also with a hint of Santa Monica, there's an area in California called Third Street Promenade. I used to work there at the Apple store and It feels like that if it were in the mountains. So, you know, it's touristy. I mean, there weren't any like major retailers that I saw, but there were tons of touristy type gift shops and all that. Didn't matter though, because it was just cool. I loved being there. Like they had an ice cream shop that made plant based, coconut based ice cream from scratch and, you know, just so many coffee shops. It was a bit overwhelming. I went to a really sweet little natural market over there. I mean, it was just very, very special. Then I kept driving and let's see, I think I spent one final night. Yes. Close to the Canadian U S border near Montana or yeah, between Montana and Canada. And it was called river's edge RV park. And it was just this kind of random park. It was owned by this really nice woman She generally doesn't let people sleep in their car there, but she had had Tesla drivers there before. So it was like an interesting experience where when I first called to make a reservation, she was going to turn me down. But I said, no, I'm camping in my Tesla. And she's, oh, right, right. Okay. Then she got it. But I guess like some of these RV parks are very particular about who stays there, what type of vehicles they have, what their setup is. So a good reason to do some research for me though. I was booking it super last minute. I think I called her like a few hours before I got there. So was running out of options, but she had a really nice bathroom. I actually took a shower there and felt really safe. And then the next day I entered back into the States, kind of sadly, I was really enjoying Canada, but crossed over into Montana. I saw buffalo or bison should say is the proper word. But I posted, this is like the only picture on my Instagram as of the time I've recorded this because the buffalo were so photogenic and I just walked right up to them. It, it doesn't look like there's a gate between us, but they were like in some gated field. And I walked up and they were kind of curious about me and took a great photo that I loved. Then I also like randomly came across a prairie dog state park. like <laughs> It's a park built around... The prairie dogs. I think to just keep them safe, and it was free. And I just drove in there and admired how incredibly cute they were. And then I think, yeah, that night I stayed at one of the most interesting camping places. It was called a, the small town RV park in Montana because it was maybe the smallest town I went through in Terry, Montana. And the timing just worked out for me to go there. It was probably also. The cheapest because it was $25 cash, no tax. He also took Venmo and it was just run by this guy. He had eight spots for RVs and had had some Teslas go through there too. He was familiar with that and got to charge my car. That's the big advantage of going to RV parks with a Tesla. And he was super cool. Really interesting guy that grew up in Montana He lived in the house right next to the RV park and had more cats than I could count. They were just like running around, kittens, older cats. He had one of the friendliest cats I've ever met that I was very tempted to bring home. If he had let me, I probably would have a cat right now. But it was just like kind of cool. Apparently, that area is known for rock hounding. So you can go and like find all these incredible rocks, crystals that I would love to go back and do one day. And then the next morning, he had recommended in the little small town this shop that had gifts and coffee. That was probably the worst coffee I had. Sorry to say. Maybe the milk that they used, like the oat milk, was not good. I couldn't say for sure if it was the coffee or the milk, but I felt like nice supporting a little small business because it was truly, truly a small town. It was also like very pricey for what it was. I think it was. Around $6 or so for that drink that wasn't very satisfying. But that's the you're always rolling the dice with places like that. Then I went to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which was cool. There wasn't too much to see. I mean, there's some history there about like Theodore Roosevelt, they had prairie dogs, wild horses, also tons of bison. If it weren't for the final few minutes of this park, it would have been easy for me to forget my experience. But right as I was leaving the park, I ran into a herd of buffalo, not literally ran in, but practically there were probably about 10 buffalo crossing the road right in front of me. And this is like kind of a dream of mine. I saw buffalo sorry, I keep saying buffalo, they're technically bison. I saw them like in the park, kind of in the distance, or I would see them like near other cars. But by the time I got there, they were gone. This was my dream to be right in front of bison. And it was like, again, kind of out of a movie. Like, I mean, the photos I took do not do justice to how close they were to my car. They felt like they were right next to me. And there was little baby bison really sweet. I think I'm going to have to do another part of this series. I really was hoping to not do that, but I actually have to go record with a guest now. So I'm going to wrap this up and tell the final part of the story. Or should I just quickly do it? I have seven minutes. Let's see what I can do. Okay. Because I think that was like all of the exciting parts of my trip. After I went to Theodore Roosevelt, I went to this Area called like the Enchanted Highway, I think, and they had all these like structures on the side of the road. A lot of people said it wasn't worth doing. I went out of my way to do it just out of curiosity, but not sure if that was worth it. It wasn't that exciting, but it was pretty. And then I think, let's see, did I make it to Chicago? Not this day. I think that night. Oh, yeah, I went. My final stop, my final campground that I went to was also incredibly random. I mean, I looked this place up on my way there. It was an area called, oh, no, wait, no, sorry. I take it back. That night, I stayed at a really cool place in, was it part of Minnesota, I think, called Sauk S A U K. That was a really cool campground. It was on the side of a lake. I mean, my car was parked right next to the lake. It was absolutely beautiful, quiet, very family friendly. I showered there, they had great showers. love, love loved it. I mean, it felt like an amazing summer night to be at this lakeside. That was great. The next day, I got up and I drove into St. Paul, where I saw family. my dad's side, of the family lives there, his brother and my cousins. We had an amazing time. We actually went to Olive Garden. They really wanted to go there, and they actually have a bunch of vegan options, by the way. A lot of people were surprised when I told them that. And then afterwards, we got coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I almost forgot. Before I saw my family at Olive Garden, I went to this really cool place called Coconut Whisk Cafe, which is in downtown Minneapolis. It's amazing. Entirely vegan, gluten-free, and allergy-friendly. They make amazing boba or bubble tea. Plus, these dishes made, I don't even know if dishes is the right term, mini pancakes and waffles on a stick. And you've got to look them up. I have found them through social media at one point and I met the owner. He was so incredibly nice. Love, love, loved that place. They actually put gold dust on my mini pancakes. I will put a, a photo of that because it was awesome. Then I went to Olive Garden Had a great meal with my family. Then we went to Dunkin' Donuts, which was actually really good, especially as a contrast to Dutch Brothers. I guess it's because I grew up with Dunkin' Donuts. It was awesome. They now have oat milk there. And it was just like a fun place to hang out with family. That's when I went to the final campground, which was in an area called Albion. I think that was in Wisconsin. It was really pretty run by this wonderful woman. It was mostly an RV park, charged there. They had one of the nicest bathrooms on my entire trip. That place, I forget what it was called, but I can link to all of these campgrounds. Then I went to Chicago. I met up with my amazing friend, Kelly. We went to this great market called the Foxtrot. I got a fantastic coffee. there. <laughs> I can't believe how many coffees I ended up buying. We had a little picnic in the park. And they were actually rehearsing for the famous Chicago Air and Water Show. So we watched like all these planes do incredible, you know, tricks in the air. That was absolutely amazing. And then I headed over to Indianapolis where I stayed a few nights with a good friend of mine from high school. She has two beautiful children. We went on walks. Oh, and here I have a, finally have a picture of that. Cheeto plant ciabatta. That's what it was. It was a coconut ciabatta from a company called Glutenol. And if I can get my hands on this again, I'd be thrilled, but I think it's a Canadian company. I also use this chia spread that I mentioned in part one from my friend. That was absolutely lovely. Then after I visited Indianapolis, I went to see my family in Cleveland spent a few nights there. That was super fun. We went to the national park in Cleveland, which I didn't even know existed. And I grew up going to Cleveland almost every year of my life. It's called the Cuyahoga National Park. It's kind of cool, but it definitely feels like it's in a city. And then after that, in my time in Cleveland, I went and saw my sister in New York. So there we go. I don't have to do a part three. I literally have a minute until I have to go record with my guest who will be coming up in a future episode. Thank you so much for listening. As mentioned, I will link to everything I mentioned, the parks and the products and the food and whatever else in the show notes at wellevator.com. There's also links to get in touch with me if you have questions or comments. You can email, direct message. I would love to hear from you. And if you want to find out about upcoming episodes, here are the guests that I'm about to record with, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the future episodes. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.